Hi, after a long hiatus, we had a lot of technical issues, not connected to COVID, uh, but we're back on the air. And I'm very happy to have a special guest, Jonathan Spetner, who's a third generation owner of Spetner Associates, who, as he calls himself, born and bred insurance guy. So we're not going to be selling insurance today, but we're going to be talking about insurance because although the famous saying is the things that you can count on are uh, death and taxes, I think somewhere along between those two things, there also insurance comes into play that we, we all have to deal with insurance. And I found that over the years, it's, it's a question or it's an issue that comes up with a lot of my clients. So when Jonathan offered to speak to me about this, I was happy to jump on his offer. So welcome, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Phil. Okay, so I got a bunch of questions, as I'm sure I'm representing my listeners, and I'll start with my first one. Uh, the United States has been around nearly 250 years, while Israel's only in its early 70s. This gap of 180 years has, seems to have created a much more sophisticated insurance industry in the U.S. Uh, for an individual, what are the most glaring? What are the most glaring differences when purchasing? Life, a life insurance policy. So the the, the so biggest differences between the um, the U.S. life insurance uh, market and the Israeli life insurance market, it's really in terms of pricing. Uh, the U.S. has much more competitive rates, and um, in terms of quality of contract, the type of contract. What is the uh, contract? I mean, because life insurance policy is really a contract. It's a promise to pay uh, upon death. <clears throat> but the um, contract in, in America gives you uh, much better guarantees, meaning a premium that you know can't be changed. So you have um, contracts that give you, a, have, give you a level premium that's guaranteed for 10 years all the way up to a lifetime, depending on the type of contract uh, one needs or wants and uh, chooses. So in Israel, you can buy insurance under age 40, by the way, on risk insurance, because um, there's two types of uh, insurance in America. There's uh, risk, we call it term insurance for a period of time, um, typically anywhere up to 30 years, uh, but then it ends. And there's also permanent insurance, which is meant to last a lifetime. That's more expensive because it will pay off. Everyone dies, as you indicated. Yeah, something you can count on, right? Death and taxes. Correct. Correct. So, so there's th these Correct. two types of insurance. Um, in Israel, you can really only buy risk insurance. The risk insurance, <clears throat> under age 40, maybe it's similar rates to America. But once you get above age 40, it becomes night and day, the difference in the rates for, for a healthy non-smoker compared to Israel. Um, and the premiums in Israel will maybe stay level for a few years, but then they start to go up each year and increase. So unless uh, someone would buy a new policy, requalify, which as time goes on, it sometimes it becomes harder, harder to do or impossible because of health setbacks. Um, the, the Israeli life insurance will go up each year in cost and eventually will end at age 70 or 75. There are some policies I think they go to 80, but that's it. So it, it's really meant to not pay off because most people will outlive their insurance. And that's, that's fine if you have a temporary need. But then again, if you have a temporary need, you don't want a policy that you don't know what's going to happen to the premium or, or the premium will go up 
uh, by a lot and can go up by a lot each year. So in the U.S., you would have a level guaranteed premium that you know can change for a set amount of years based on the type of ne your needs. And uh, in Israel, you don't have that. So both in terms of pricing, once you get above age 40, and in terms of quality of contract, how uh, long is your premiums guaranteed for? Um, Israel is, um, is, is very much behind the US in, in, in life insurance. So for my clientele in Israel, it, it seems like, and for I'm, I'm including myself in this as well, uh, it seems that the, uh, the only type of life insurance that's available is what you call term insurance. But I understand in the US, there are other options available for U.S. citizens who live in Israel who wish to purchase life insurance. Can you give a little info on that? Sure, sure. I alluded to it uh, before. Uh, permanent life insurance um, is, um, is really not available in Israel, and, but in, in the U.S. it is. So a person may have a, a permanent need. They have a, they have a, a, a state uh, tax need or whatever reason there is, or there's a buy sell need in a business, uh, whatever the reason is that they want to have insurance, they want to have insurance, they don't want it to be temporary, they want it to be permanent. So in America, you can, uh, you can do that. And by the way, it doesn't have to be American citizen only, we, we can work with uh, pure Israeli citizens, as long as there's some nexus to the US, and it doesn't have to be very thick, the connection to the US, it could be owning uh, Google stock or something, you know, owning a piece of an American stock. Um, so the permanent life insurance is designed to pay off one day. Like we said, everybody dies. And uh, it's a question of timing. Uh, the, the permanent life market in America is very robust. Uh, the, the type of insurance that most people have heard of is called whole life insurance. I do not work with a lot of whole life um, coverage. I like to work with more. I like to work with policies that have a, a flexible premium, okay? Flexible premium, but very strong underlying guarantees, meaning that uh, a policy that would, sit, would, would allow you to pay a premium that you know, if I pay this premium every year, no matter what happens, it's guaranteed to 100 or beyond, okay? But mm -hmm. along the way, you can have flexibility to adjust your premium um, because you decide as time goes on and as life circumstances change, that you don't need a policy that's going to go past 100 because you're not going to live past 100. Sometimes in life that becomes clear. Sometimes it doesn't. So I like a policy that um, gives you a, a permanent guaranteed premium, but the, the flexibility to allow you to pay less or stop paying premium because the insurance will go on for quite a, quite a time with a lower or even no payment. And, um, it's going to pay off for the same death benefit. So I always tell my clients, there's no mitzvah to give the insurance company more money than you need to. And, mm -hmm. and, and these, these products, <clears throat> these products, these permanent life products uh, that are flexible, but have underlying guarantees. Uh, I, I love using them because again, it, it gives my, you know, um, there's a famous book, um, written about 35 years ago called The Art of the Deal. I never read it, but I saw a line someone told me back then that st stuck with me. In every deal, make sure you can live with the downside because mm -hmm. the upside will take care of itself. And that's how I approach, I approach permanent life insurance. 
is the worst, what's the worst case scenario? Can my client live with that? And is there an upside besides that? If there is, that's great because maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But I know the, uh, in, uh, the, the, the downside um, is, is, is okay, is livable. And um, that's, that's important because permanent life insurance is different machinations of permanent life insurance, whole life, universal life, variable universal life. There are a lot of different machinations and, <clears throat> and the, um, knowing that you have an underlying guarantee instead of just rosy projections is very important to know what's my worst case scenario. But those products are available right now and they do change the products, but sometimes people, in fact, in Israel, they always ask me, Israelis always ask me, Americans never do, how does the insurance company making money? They always, they want to know when they look at the deal, they do <laughs> uh -huh. the math in their head. Okay, no one ever asked that in America, but my dad told me that don't worry, the insurance company always makes money. But sometimes they put out a product that is too good, and then they stop selling it. But whoever has that product, they can take it away. And that's very mm -hmm. important to note. So uh, there's, some still, there's some very good products out there right now. In fact, the most economical, no, what we call no lapse guarantee premium, it means you pay this premium, the policy cannot lapse no matter what happens. That's why I say an underlying strong guarantee. The, the products right now that have the best, <laughs> the best no lapse guarantee premium uh, are the po policies that uh, have um, the called variable universal life. It's really an investment product. And within the product, you can put your cash value into anywhere as, as many as like 70 mutual funds within the policy. And if you do well, if you do well, it, it can, your cash value can grow tremendously. Uh, you could also lose, but, but because you have the underlying guarantee for life insurance, you could have a, a zero cash value of negative returns in your investment account. You still have the underlying guarantee, no lapse guarantee of the life insurance. It's a very, um, this, th that, was that was never available, those two, that combination of the, the best upside uh, from an investment point of view, because you have a cash value in the policy, you can invest, but you also have the best underlying no lapse guarantee premium that if it, you know, come hell or high water, that premium will keep that going until 120, mamash 120 these policies go to. Um, so that's, that's, that's what's interesting, it's available right now. So bottom line is the, um, the permanent life insurance that you can't buy in Israel, in America, it's very sophisticated, the products, and they're a little complicated, but right. um, what, what I find, what I find the uh, most compelling is the best underlying guarantee that my client knows this is the most they'll ever have to pay and with an upside to pay less or not pay at all after for many years. And that, that okay, is available you, right now. You, you did refer briefly uh, when we were talking in your last question about an Israeli owned Google stock and uh, because pure Israelis who are not U S citizens, <clears throat> clients of mine, many who have U S stock portfolios or particularly one of the more popular investments in the last couple decades has been U.S. real estate. Uh, they have a real exposure to estate tax because uh, the, the exemption for them is only $60,000 per person. Uh, can these people who are not U.S. citizens, do not have social security numbers, purchase these type of policies you refer to? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They could... Uh purchase uh, risk or permanent insurance, depending on what they want or what they need. Um, and 
and uh, they don't have to be a U.S. citizen at all. They just have to have a, a cashier, a nexus to the U.S., uh, owning real estate, bingo, owning some American stocks. That's that's considered plenty of nexus. Um, gotcha. They don't have to have a okay. social security, security number. Okay. And then, of course, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, in fact, the... Um, I have two companies that I that I use for the Israeli market, and one of them, um, one of them, they're both household names in America, um, and one one of them does not te technically require the insured to leave Israel to get the uh, to get the underwriting done. I mean, it's, it's interesting. It's, it, so you don't have to, uh, but you have to have the uh, the owner of the policy has to sign in the U.S. So. When people who don't want to, we'll have a, I'll, I'll refer them to a U.S. lawyer in Israel that will create a simple trust, uh, and um, that trust can have a co-trustee in America that can sign, and all the other underwriting can be done here. And in fact, the insured could sign in Tel Aviv, Israel, Jerusalem, Israel, on on the application. So, um, beginning, but the other company, um, the other company insists that the insured sign in the U.S. at least once. That means traveling to the U.S. Uh, at least once. Um, so, but but the point is that yeah, a pure Israeli, no problem. I've sold uh, insurance to many uh, pure Israelis with no uh, U.S. citizenship at all. Okay, so this is a question that could my next question could apply to a pure Israeli or a dual citizen, a, you know, U.S. citizen who happens to live in Israel, and it's it's basically one question, but with two parts. One. Uh, I know U.S. insurance companies generally, I don't know if it's for people who are under 40, require a medical exam. And two, I know years ago, depending on the, the security situation, there have been problems with U.S. citizens who live over the green line uh, or live in Yehuda B'Shomron, whatever you want to refer to it as, and they could not be insured. What, what's the status of that today in terms of medical and where, where you live in Israel? So yeah, as far as the medical goes, uh, yeah, there is medical underwriting. Okay, these are um, for these types of policies, and the medical underwriting can be done in Israel or it can be done in, in the U.S. Um, you know, what we do is when a person's interested, uh, unless they're you know young and, and just from everything I, from me talking to them, I see they're just in tip-top shape. But um, uh, uh, other than that, I will usually ask the the insured before we do anything to go online and if they want to go to Kupa Cholim, get me the records from the Kupa. They could be in Hebrew, it doesn't matter. I want to look at the records, make sure that we're not forgetting anything because, you know, people in Israel always ask me if the prices are negotiable and I tell them, no, the prices are not negotiable for the insurance, but underwriting is somewhat negotiable, okay, because that's a decision made by a human um, on the category and each depending on the category that you uh, are, are given, the underwriting category, uh, that will determine the price. <laughs> so the better the category, the better, you know, then, then the cheaper the um, insurance. So um, that's the first thing we do. I'll, I'll ask for the records. If they're coming then to the U.S., if they're going to be in the U.S. And, and they have time, we recommend they um, have the exam done in the U.S. It's a, a paramed not even a nurse really comes to your hotel room or house, wherever your office, wherever, where you can go to one of their offices um, and they do the exam. It's basically a health history 
and uh, blood and urine tests that goes to their lab. Um, if they want to do it in Israel, they can. We have a doctor in Renana that's accepted by both insurance companies, and he'll do an exam. You have to pay him. He charges 500 shekel or something, and he does an exam, which both companies will accept. Um, so uh, it's really the choice. If you do it in America, the insurance company pays for the exam. If you do it in Israel, we don't. I don't sell insurance. These companies don't sell insurance in Israel. We sell to Israelis from America, okay, gotcha. in America. So, so, uh, and that gets back to the underwriting. We're we're the um, we're the uh, we're the insured has to sign, and the owner and the owner and the insured could be the same on a contract, or the insured could be the insured and the owner could be a trust or an LLC. So. Uh, Again, the owner always both companies has to sign in the U.S. and the, and then one of the companies, um, the owner, the insured does not have to sign in the U.S. and the uh, other company, they insist the insured has to sign in the U.S. These are decisions made by lawyers, and I guess we have conflicting uh, opinions by the lawyers of the two companies. Uh, back to the second question about you know over the green line, uh, you know who the Shamron, so. <clears throat> And when I first started doing this, both companies, you know, treated the green line. In fact, the official rules are the green line. If you look at their printed material, both companies, I drew a map for them and showed them what I call bedroom communities, suburbs. And they've accepted that map and have been underwriting. We disclose everything. So everything, once, if we, disclose, we disclose very clearly where the person lives, what their Israeli address is. But for the most part, they have been okay with uh, from Yerushalayim as far uh, north as, as Beidel and as far south as the Gush. So I'm mm-hmm. you know, Efrat, no problem. Efrat, no problem. Uh, you know, Beitar, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, all those little neighborhoods around there through the Gush, you know, and, yeah, up to the Gush. Uh, and, on, and for Tel Aviv, I've taken it pretty much, I think as far east as, uh, as Ariel. Um, uh-huh. from, so Again, I always have to show them, you know, and I have a map drawn up and a list of, uh, you know, sometimes I get a new little issue someone's, you know, living on and they're not on the list. So I have to get them approved, but I haven't had a problem. So we, we don't have a problem <clears throat> with over the green line. But I mean, if you live, you know, in Hebron, uh, it's not happening. OK, so gotcha. I have there are there are places on the list that they will not allow. And uh, okay. when I went okay. to them, no, I when I went to them with my list, I had to make sure to give them. Some places they wouldn't allow. <laughs> yeah, I, I can, you know, I, I've been here a long time. I've lived through several intifadas, and there were, you know, there were times, uh, I know there were companies weren't underwriting. Uh, uh, it may have been even there was a time if you just lived in Israel, <laughs> they yeah, weren't underwriting. Most companies, okay. most companies won't touch uh, Israel. Most companies don't write foreign nationals. Yeah. The fact uh-huh. that these two companies, uh, large companies, um, are doing this is, is sort of a breakthrough from the last uh, uh, in the last six seven years. Uh, previously, in the late '90s, when my father was active, we um, one of these companies did allow us for six months. It was, and then after six months, they pulled the program. Were, I, mm-hmm. We wrote thirty policies in those six months, and um, I've paid on those. And they pulled the program, but once you have a contract, they can't take it away. That's the point here right. too. Uh-huh. They may decide uh-huh. later on. There's a reason they're not going to underwrite, but whoever has a contract, they can't take it away. They can't change the deal. Unless you don't pay premium and it lapses, they can't change the deal. Um, and I've paid actually on those <clears throat> 30 policies, I've paid 
uh, about four and a quarter million dollars of death claims wow. in wow. the late nineties. Right. Yeah, two one yeah, millions, right. one two and a quarter million. So it's real. All right, I'm I'm okay. <laughs> okay, good. So I'm going to wrap up just still within the word life insurance, but because you mentioned also before uh, that insurance companies, you like policies that offer guarantees. Um, how do people living in the U.S. use life insurance as an asset class? In other words, do they actually use it for savings? Right. So some, as we uh, talked about before, some of, the, some of the permanent policies have a, a, an investment aspect to them. So think of, um, think, think of it this way. Think of the insurance policy as a bucket and you pay a premium. Let's say someone, I'll give you an example I know off the top of my head. A very healthy 50-year-old, okay, um, for can get a million dollars of permanent insurance for just under $11,000 a year. $11,000 mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of money, but if you think about it, he's 50 years old. He's paying 1.1% uh, a year premium. If, mm-hmm. if he lived to 100, he'd have to put, that would be 55%, right? That, right. He's, uh, that he's put in. So... Mm-hmm. So, and but it's going to pay off on 100% tax free, income tax wow. free. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the so when he pays that $11,000 a year, think of it as going, think of it as going into a bucket. Now, that bucket, that bucket, uh, they take they take some risk charges out of that bucket every month because they're they're on the risk for a million dollars. But especially when you're 50, the risk cost isn't that great as it will be later on. So, what what happens is that bucket was left in that bucket after they take out their risk charges, you get to invest. So in the example that I brought up before of a variable universal life, you could have 70 different mutual funds, you know, S&P 500, large cap, small cap, all the stuff you see in the paper, Fidelity, Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. the, you mm-hmm. know, there's like 50, I think there's like 60 or 70 of them. And, uh, and you get to choose where that money is invested in the bucket which funds and you can actually move it around, you know, sell, you know, move it from one to the other and there's no taxable event. You know, if you have a brokerage account and you sell a mutual fund and buy another one, and if you had a gain, that's a taxable event. It's a 1099, right? You get a 1099. Right. You right. don't hear because it's, it's in, we'll call it the protection, like a cocoon uh, of life insurance, which is tax deferred. So it's, it's all tax deferred as it, as it, as it grows. And uh, so you have that, but, because you have this underlying no lapse guarantee premium, you could be have the worst mazel in the world. You could pick a loser every time, and you, and you you know and and your mutual funds do terrible. They tank, and you have zero in your cash value account. Oh, Jonathan, you you uh, muted yourself for a second. Hold on. More than eleven, you'll never pay more than eleven thousand uh, dollars a year. And in fact, in that example, it's flexible. And I'll tell you how that 50 year old, he pays for 15 years in the product that's available right now. He pays for 15 years. If he then decides now he's turning 65 and he says, hey, Jonathan, you sell me a product that goes past 100, but I'm, I got things wrong with me. Now. I'm not going to live to 100. I know it. I say, well, you know, what, what's your, what are you thinking? How long are you going to live? He, he says, you know, if I get, if I make it to 80, I'll be a happy camper. And I would tell him, I would counsel him, stop paying premium. Why? Because I know, and I, we, and we can always, you know, uh, uh, run illustrations to make sure, but I know if he stops after 15 years, 
the policy is guaranteed to go another 16 years without putting in a penny. Wow. And if he did, if he did decently in his investment account, it'll go till he's 87. He was if he averaged seven percent investment account, but guaranteed, guaranteed based on the no lapse guarantee, it will go enough. If he pays for 15, in that example of a 50 year old healthy, it'll go another 16 guaranteed without putting in a penny for the full million dollars death benefit. And if you don't think you're making it past 80. There's, like I said, there's no misfire to give the insurance company more money than you need to. This well, product, that, that's, that that sounds like a pretty pretty good asset. So I'm I'm going to wrap up here by uh, okay. thank thanking you. It was very informative. And if any of my clients have more questions, uh, how can they find out more about you or um, in contact with you? They can uh, they can uh, they can contact me by phone. Uh, give me my cell phone number. It's uh, Area code 314. They work out of St. Louis, Missouri. 314-363-5522. Or my email is fairly simple. It's jspetner, like Jonathan. jspetner, no dot, just J-S-P-E-T-N-E-R at spetner.com. jspetner at spetner.com. I'm happy to hear from you. I will get back to everybody. Well, I thank you very much and uh, hope to see you soon. Thank you, John. Okay, thank you, Phil.